every time a preacher develops a sermon, there are always things that don't make the cut. Observations, connections that just wouldn't fit. There are always extra pieces of information. These are those extras. This is Sunday Morning Leftovers. Hey everybody, welcome today to another Sunday Morning Leftovers. I'm actually super pumped about this one because, well, I just am. It's exciting because there's, there's so much to talk about that there's no way I can fit it into this, but I'm just going to give you a taste of something this morning. So um, I guess this afternoon, I say Sunday morning leftovers and it throws me off because it's from Sunday morning and they're leftovers. Uh, anyway, so um, the kingdom of God, right? So our text to, uh, yesterday was um, verses 22 through 30 of chapter 12 of Matthew. Um, and so the story goes that Jesus heals a man. He heals him by casting out a, a demon. He's demon oppressed, um, blind and mute. And uh, Jesus casts this demon out, heals him. And um, the Pharisees uh, upset and they accuse Jesus of casting out this demon by the power of Beelzebul. Okay, so... Um, <clears throat> Jesus gives them a couple of examples of why they're cray-cray um, or crazy for you, older crowd. And um, then he, then verse 28 comes and he said, but, right, if, if by contrast, if, if it is in fact not by the power of Beelzebul that I do this, and if, he says, but if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Okay, so emphasis on has come upon you. So there are all kinds of questions about the kingdom of God, right? Um, there are, um, depending on your, your view of the end times is really what dictates a lot of that. Um, and, or your view of that dictates what you believe about the end times. <laughs> uh, I guess it just depends on <laughs> how you look at that, but... Um, there, there are a lot of questions about it. A lot of people don't understand the kingdom of God. They maybe, maybe you get that we're uh, not of this world as believers. We're part of a different um, kingdom. We um, are Christians. We say this all the time. We're Christians and then Americans or Christian and then father. Like I'm a Christian American. I'm a Christian father. I'm a Christian, right? So we put that in front of it. Well, that actually means something, right? It, 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 it sets you um, as it, it makes you uh, a claim at least to be a part of a different kingdom. Your identity is not American. It is Christian and he has placed you in America, right? Like at, at the end of the day, that's where it falls. So I would like to take uh, this moment to try, um, even though it's, it's, it's a super complex topic. Um, and by complex, I simply mean it's, there are so many texts and um, rabbit hole, rabbit trails that you could go down getting to um, all of the scriptures. Um, but I'm just going to give you a taste of something to help you. So my um, understanding of the kingdom of God, some people would say that Jesus 
brought the kingdom. Then they killed him and he took the kingdom with him, the idea of the kingdom. And then the kingdom of God will begin and be inaugurated when he comes back again, right? Um, and sits on a physical throne in Jerusalem. Um, some uh, would say that there's this already but not yet kind of view of the kingdom of God. And um, I will say that that is sort of where I lie, except uh, a lot of people who would say already but not yet, they say um, it's because we see things like, um, then the kingdom of God has come upon you, right? Like it's here. And he says, what in, in Matthew 4, uh, 17, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Like it, it seems as though if you're just reading through scripture, not even really thinking about it, it seems that he's saying it's here. Like I'm here. I'm the king. This is my kingdom. I'm here. Right. Um, but then, um, of course, we still see death in the world. We still see pain. We, the rape still happens, right? Like things that still exist. Um, when we think about the kingdom of God, maybe we think of what it will be like one day when like it, it is all over and there's no more crying, no more tears, no more sadness. All that is left is worship and adoration of God, our King. Maybe that's your view of the kingdom of God. And, and, and certainly that's what it will ultimately be like. But I just want to make um, an assertion today that the kingdom of God has always been. It has always been. Um, and I, I really don't know theologically or philosophically or biblically how you would um, go about negating that and at least in the sense that like God has always been God Yahweh has always been the most high um, of all of the gods anyone has ever worshipped um, he's always been the most high right um, Yahweh Elohim not just Elohim Elohim in the Old Testament was just a, a word a generic word that we translate as God so when you see um, the, the little g God in the Old Testament, that's also the word Elohim. Um, so he is the most high of all of the of all of the uh, supernatural beings, demonic, uh, evil, kingdom of darkness type folks, Lucifer, Baal, Dagon, all the things you can think of in the Old Testament. Um, I think Ramon was one um, from when Naaman uh, was healed from, by Elisha. That was he. He came from a place where they worshipped Ramon. Um, so anyway, there are all these figures in scripture and most of the time when we read through those, we just go, what, what? Uh, okay. So this is some false God, right? Um, now there's a whole storyline behind all of that, that I'm not going to get into today because there's no way I could get into it without making this hours long. And you would still probably be confused because I don't have like curriculum notes in front of me to follow for that. So we'd be all over the place. Um, but so I want to make a quick, um, uh, maybe a quick proof to what I'm talking about. There's, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes of scripture that we don't think about, don't focus on. It's maybe a little weird for us. So we, um, maybe we, we think, okay, well, that's a thing, but I don't know what I'm talking about. So 
right? So in Ephesians 6.12, when Paul tells us that it's actually not, uh, that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, but that we wrestle, we have a war with, the, the enemy is actually the rulers and principalities of, of the air, right? They're the kingdom of darkness that exists in the supernatural realm, okay? So there, there are enemies that we have, and people are not one of them. Um, and, and so, um, having to do with our actual text yesterday, what did they suggest? The Pharisees accused Jesus of casting out demons by Beelzebub. Now that is a stupid name, right? For us in English, we read that and go, that's a, you know, probably wouldn't have named my child that anyway, right? Um, so we, we look at that as kind of a goofy thing. So let me, in the, in, in the New Testament, in uh, Greek, whatever, Septuagint, uh, as we read it in English, it's spelled B-E-E-L-Z-E-B-U-L, Beelzebul, um, or in other places, Beelzebub. In the Old Testament, there's a hyphen in, in between that. There's B-E-E-L and then hyphen and then Zebul. Okay, and those are just two words, and it means like uh, Lord is Zibel, um, and uh, death is Baal. So the Lord of death, that's, that's the guy's name, right? That's, that's who they're referring to when they accuse Jesus of casting out demons by uh, the Lord of death. And this is the Baal in the Old Testament, okay? You following? You tracking? Right? So they're accusing Jesus, if we're going to merge Old Testament and New Testament language together, they're accusing Jesus of casting out demons by the power of Baal. Okay? And Baal in the, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, because the New Testament was written by a bunch of Jewish, Jewish dudes for the most part. Right? And, and they all lived in first century Jewish contexts and, and wrote understanding first century Jewish literature and stuff, okay? So when they talk about Baal, Baal is like this picture of the, the Lord of the underworld, okay? That's, that's the, the who was worshipped in the Old Testament, the Lord of death, the Lord of the underworld, okay? And so there's a mountain um, in Bashan, uh, and the region of Bashan, this is a, a region that um, is, uh, I think, mostly used in, um, well, so it's a scriptural region. Um, to the most western side of it is uh, the Sea of Galilee, where Jesus did all of his stuff, right? Um, and there's uh, Caesarea Philippi, okay, is a, a place that you hear mentioned in the Gospels. And Caesarea Philippi is um, at the uh, bottom of a mountain, Mount Hermon. And if you actually geographically were there, like physically, it's the only, it's the major place. It's the major uh, piece of geography that you would notice. It's a huge mountain. Um, I think it's snow-capped like most of the time. It's, it's an actual mountain and it's the only, the major thing, Right. Um, Mount Hermon is unmistakable. Well, at the bottom of Mount Hermon, um, in Old Testament times, um, and this belief 
even filtered into the New Testament days, right? The period between the Old and New Testaments, that 400-year gap, and as well as the, um, the, the viewpoint and the, the lenses through which the Matthew would have looked and Mark would have looked and Peter would have looked, all, all these guys, um, they understood that place to be an evil place. Because at the foot of that mountain, Mount Hermon, um, that's where uh, major, major evil things existed. That's where they sacrificed. There was a huge altar to Baal right there. They sacrificed to him. They uh, worshipped Baal there. And it was um, thought at that point in time, and when I say that point in time, it's an extended period up and up into the New Testament period for, for some. At that point in time, um, that, that spot, that area would have been known as the door to the underworld, right? So people would just, like if you were superstitious at all, this is a place that um, uh, scares uh, would have scared people who uh, didn't necessarily worship Yahweh, right? Um, it, it was that kind of place. And um, so the foot of Mount Hermon is um, an evil place known as the door to the underworld, right? Um, or the gates of hell, right? <laughs> for, for a reference that we would all understand. Um, and so I want to, I want to flip, right? So keep in mind, they're accusing Jesus in our text yesterday of casting out demons by the power of Baal and Baal's home turf, right? This God of the underworld, the Lord of darkness, right? The Lord of death and all that stuff, right? Whom they claimed Jesus, uh, cast it out demons by, right? So this, this is a kingdom, uh, <laughs> a kingdom text for you, all right? So um, Matthew 16, uh, 13 through 18, right? So it says this, Now when Jesus came in, into the district of Caesarea Philippi, okay? So, this is modern day Caesarea Philippi, but this is the spot, right? Like this is that evil spot. When Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi to the, the altar the, where Baal was worshipped, where sacrifices to Baal, the God of the underworld, the gates of hell, all these things, right? He walked in there and he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? Who do people say that I am? Okay? And he says this on purpose in the place intentionally. They said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? As Jesus walked, like right in the spot, uh, what was referred to as the gates of hell, the gates of the underworld, the door to hell or whatever, Baal's palace, if you will, right? 
As he walked right there, he asked the disciples, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied right there on that spot, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, but my father who's in heaven. Um, And then he says something else that's really cool that we misinterpret a ton, but I'm going to help you out here real quick. In verse 18, he says, uh, and I tell you, you're, so keep in mind, they're right in the same spot, right? And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my church, okay? On this rock, I will build my church. Now, that has been misinterpreted as being the Pope. That is misinterpreted as being Jesus himself. I am this rock. Um, but if you go there, where he would have said this, um, there's very clearly a rock that... Um, dominates the landscape right there at the foot of the of Mount Hermon where all of this evil had taken place on this rock Jesus is saying in the face of the god of the underworld that was worshiped for so long he's saying in the face of every bit of the kingdom of darkness it's on this very rock where you were worshiped where you claimed to be god where you claim to be so important where where you say you have turf where you claim rights and authority it's on this rock that i'm going to build my church and then what does he say right after that and the gates of hell this place that everyone's so afraid of the gates of hell will not prevail against it but let me fix that too it's already pretty stinking powerful right? We're going to talk about the kingdom. That's the kingdom, okay? Jesus is making a kingdom authority claim right there in the face of the evil kingdom. And right now, he says, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So that's actually mistranslated, okay? If you look in the Greek, the word against doesn't exist. It's not part of the text, So what you're left with is the gates of hell shall not prevail it, which doesn't make any English sense. So if you want to actually accurately translate this text, the gates of hell shall not withstand it. That's the idea. And so it's not, it's not even a picture of the kingdom of Jesus and then the, the, hell and all of the demons and all of the, the uh, you know, dark powers and forces and principalities and all the stuff uh, are going to be fighting against this and we're going to die and we're going to get killed and we're going to blah, 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 blah. And uh, it, it's a picture of the church being the aggressor, that the gates of hell will not be able to withstand the church. Jesus says on this rock right here, this is mine not Baal's. This is my rock. This is my territory. This is my turf. This is my kingdom. I'm the king. And it's on this rock, on this very rock where sacrifices were made to you, on this very rock where people worshiped you and adored you and feared you, where people still fear you. It's on this rock that I will build my church. And this gate of hell that people claim, this doorway to the underworld, this big scary thing is not even going to be able to withstand my church. So, there we have it. 
If you um, are still not convinced, I'm okay with that. Um, I will see you next week where we're going to learn what the unforgivable sin is, blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. So big, scary question, right? It's really not. Come to church. See you Sunday.